0: who was just ordained, he was assigned to his first parish as an associate, and there's this particularly cantankerous woman in the parish who just kind of gave him a lot of grief. She was a complainer and a whiner and a gossiper, and he just couldn't seem to do anything right. Well, this lady was on an age, and near the end of the year, she ended up in the hospital, and she was actually getting close to dying. And this this priest was praying for her and then he got word one day that, you know, Mrs. McGillicuddy wants to see you. And he was just elated. Oh, I can go and I can reconcile with her and I can give her the last sacraments. And so he rushes over to the hospital and uh, he knocks on the door, says, Mrs. McGillicuddy, it's Father, you asked to see me. And Mrs. McGillicuddy rolls over and she says, your homilies are too darn long. then she died. Now, I don't remember if that was a true story or an apocryphal story, but it got me thinking, I got to thinking about it because of this gospel reading, he who receives you receives me. You know, Mrs. McGillicuddy was stuck on this particular man, this priest, and wasn't able to receive Jesus through him. And this is, this is the case with it, because this is what Jesus, this is Jesus is talking to the apostles. He's about to send them out on their first missionary journey. He just said, you know, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a walk in the park, but uh, I'm going to be with you. And when, when people actually receive you, they're not just receiving you. They're receiving me. They're receiving the heavenly father. And so that's, the, that's the, the, the confidence, the encouragement to the apostles that they're not just doing their own thing. But then also this is being passed on to us, that the, the, the man, the priest standing in front of you isn't there on his own behalf. But if, if we welcome him, we actually welcome Jesus himself. This is the whole sacramental vision that we're called to as Catholics. And... One of the things that, one of the lines here up at the very beginning says, Jesus says, if you love anything more than me, you're not worthy of me. Now, he doesn't say you can't love your father and your mother and your brother and your sister and all these, but you can't love any of them more than me. Because anytime we love something more than we love Jesus, then everything gets out of sorts. Then we're like Mrs. McGillicuddy. I can't, I can't receive this guy because I don't actually love Jesus more than myself. I don't love Jesus more than my own preferences. I don't love Jesus more than whatever it is. And that's the call for all of us, to love Jesus more than all else. Now, there's a, there's a temptation that we can fall into uh, and I, I call it the, uh, the utopian ideal, the temptation for the utopian ideal. And it kind of goes like this. If X, then everything would be perfect. So if we had a different pastor, then our parish would be perfect. If I had better parishioners, my parish would be perfect. Perfect. If we did different music, if we had this, if we did, whatever it is, if, if you find yourself falling into the if this, then everything would be perfect, that's a lie. It's not true. In fact, right before Jesus says these words, he's kind of in the middle of his sermon to his apostles, and right before that, we ended right before it last week, and then it, it got skipped over in the lectionary cycle, but this is, this is what he says. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against his, her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes will be those of his own household. And then whoever loves father, mother, brother, sister more than me is now worthy of me. Don't think that Jesus came to bring peace. That's, that's, the, that's the lie things should be perfect, and they're not, so I gotta look for what the problem is. No, Jesus never said that there was gonna be perfection. He never said there was gonna be peace. He said, even members of your own household are gonna be your enemies. So even in this household, which is our parish, we'll find that sometimes there's, there's division. Sometimes there's rivalry. Sometimes there's contention. And part of it go, is stemmed back to that we think that there should be perfection. We think that there should be peace. And really, at the end of it, we're loving something more than we love Jesus. We're loving something else more than we love Jesus. And that's the thing that we can never, ever do. Now, I was, I was particularly thinking about this as, uh, as I've reached to now. I've, I've just passed the elusive four-year marker. I've now been in the parish for just over four years, four years, four years and four days. And the last pastor to make it into his fifth year was Father Michael Miller, and that was about 20 years ago. So we've kind of had this, this kind of rotating door of pastors, and that can be disjointing and that can be, be hard. Uh, and, and kind of any time there's a new pastor, no matter where the, where the parish is, whatever the situation, Protestant churches, it's the same way, but new pastor comes in and you have a certain set of people who say, hey, a new pastor. He's not the old guy, he's a different guy. He's gonna have different gifts and you know, I'm gonna welcome him just like Jesus told us to. There's a good number of people that do that. There's a good number of people who, eh, they just take it as the opportunity to leave. Either they don't wanna give the new guy the chance or they really liked the old guy or whatever and they leave and that's pretty common too. And then there's a handful of people who just wait him out. It's like, eh, he won't be here forever so I'm just gonna wait him out. I'm not really gonna to listen to anything he tells me to do. I'm not gonna change, I'm not gonna be transformed, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna receive him, I'm just not gonna I'm just not gonna leave. I think those are kind of the three camps that people tend to tend to fall into. Obviously we wanna be in that first camp because it's not about receiving this particular person, this particular priest, but it's about receiving God Himself. And, and whether or not the priest is particularly awesome or gifted or talented or, or holy, there's still something that I can receive. Uh, I, tell, I tell couples this in marriage prep. Say, your job is to get each other holy. And you will do that either actively or passively. Actively by saying, "Hun, we got to go to mass today. Hon, it's been a while since we've been to, to confession. Hun, maybe we, should do, maybe we should do a Bible study together. So actively pursuing holiness together. And then passively, Hun, you you're driving me crazy and you're giving me many opportunities to grow in patience and holiness and to reconcile and to forgive. So that's, that's the case too. So every pastor, same way. There's gonna be some things that he says that I'm like, yeah, I can, that, that helps me to grow in holiness. And there might be some things that I am going to embrace this opportunity to grow in patience and humility right now. But, but there will be something for you from your pastor. Uh, just out of curiosity, I've been taking a poll. How many of you were here when Father Michael Miller was here? How many of you have been here since, at least since Father Michael Miller? Okay, yeah. How many of you got here uh, when Father, uh, Father Paul Kamen was here? So you've only been here since Father Paul Kamen. Okay, and then how many of you have been here since Father Nathan La Liberté? Since Father Nathan? Okay. And how how many of you have only been here for the past four years? So pretty much only since I've been here? Okay, cool. And how many of you are visiting and don't know any of those names that I just mentioned? Oh good, welcome. It's great, great to have you here with us. Yeah, that's awesome. So so any of those, any of those men, any of those men were sent, we've got to think of them they're sent by the Lord. But when we receive them, when we welcome them, we welcome Jesus himself. And, um, you know, I've been told in the last, in the last week, actually, by, by three different individuals, somebody who's been here for uh, their whole life, somebody who's been here for, uh, you know, 25 years or so, and somebody who's only been here for a couple of years, and they, they've each said that they felt that St. Max is the most welcoming that it's ever been. No offense, but I don't think we've ever had the reputation of being an overly welcoming community. But in recent years, I think that there's, there's been a, a shift, and I think that's a really good, beautiful thing. It shows a transformation of, of hearts, transformation of, of culture. Uh, and it shows that we're, we're really striving to love Jesus above all other loves. All of us have many voices in our lives, many influences in our lives that we have to kind of sift through. Pastor, I've said many times, that, for as many people have said, Father, I, I hate this. There's people who have said, Father, I love this. Same thing. And so it's not, it's not a, I don't take polls to find, well, what, what, what do people want? I want to be obedient to the voice of Jesus. I'll, I strive to love Jesus more than anything else. And, and so also must, must we all if we're finding ourselves being influenced by voices other than Jesus, then we're not gonna receive the peace that Jesus wants to give. Because whereas he says, I didn't come to bring peace on earth, he did come to bring peace in hearts. And only when Jesus is my my sole influence, my greatest love, can I experience that peace in my heart, even when there's not peace around me. So my brothers and sisters, it has been a a joy to be with you these last last four years, and I hope for, for many more, and I love you very much, I love you very much, but I love Jesus more than I love you, and I sincerely hope that the feeling is mutual.